Hello, and welcome back to the Blind Spots Podcast. This is your home for the one, the only, the sound of the Blind Spots Podcast here on the Film and Corey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jake Tropila, joined as always by my co-host, Christy Strauss. Christy, how art thou? <laughs> that was great, yeah. I love the energized intro. Yeah. I mean, we got, we got, <laughs> jazz we got it up a little bit, you know. I know. We, we have a pretty good track record on the show and I'm, I'm a little, I'm, I would say I'm extra excited to talk about these two films. Yeah. Uh, cause they are just electrifying works of cinema. If I am so bold to say so myself. You are. You, you should be so bold to say so. So yeah, it's like, uh, you know, we got to celebrate that. We've, we're actually in, um, tuxedos. That's right. Yeah, we're both as dashing as the the night is long or something. Even similar. your baby um, on your lap is in a tuxedo. The yes, dogs, everybody. That's true. It is very difficult to find a suit that fits an eight month old, but uh, we pulled it off. Thank you, uh, Baby's Warehouse. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but let's uh, let's get into uh, our our films for this evening. Uh, just a brief uh, recap. If you don't know the premise of the show, uh, Chrissy and I, good buddies here. We uh, love films, and we like to uh, recommend films uh, that the other person has not seen to each other. Uh, then we watch and talk about both films. Uh, sometimes we recommend two to each other. We have a four-episode or a four-film episode, but uh, this week we have our just standard two. And uh, Christy actually just came forward with this one. Uh, we're calling it the uh, the Crime Tours edition to uh, crime films by auteur directors. Uh, starting out, we got my film that I recommended to Christy is 1990s King of New York, directed by Abel Ferrara, starring Christopher Walken, uh, not, uh, Larry Fishburne, not Lawrence, and, uh, David Caruso, amongst others. Uh, Abel Ferrara, I'll say, was one of my favorite filmmakers. He's, uh, not as, uh, Mm, not necessarily recognized, but doesn't have as many uh, like champions as say Martin Scorsese as far as New York, New York directors go. But he really is perfect at capturing kind of that scuzzy underbelly. And this is a film about a, uh, a drug lord, Watkins character. He's the king, the titular king. He comes out of he's released from prison in the opening scene, and he's sort of just getting his crew back together to take over the city once again. And cops and rival dealers are all coming to get him. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's the brief overview. Well, let me ask Christy, what did you think of this movie? Yeah, that was a, that was a very, that was a quick synopsis. I like it. Um, yeah, no, I really, I really liked it. I really enjoyed it. This is one that's been on my radar for a while. Um, for some reason, I don't know the poster or the, just always stuck in my head, the, the cover, as you might say, um, of Christopher but- Walken kind of peering out the window. I think he is. Um, that's a beautiful shot too in yes. the movie. Yeah. Yes, it is. And actually, when I was watching, I was like, oh, yeah, there's that shot. Um, but yeah, no, I really I really liked it a lot. I thought it did a great job of, um, you know, kind of I can't remember what you just said about the uh, underbelly of New York or however you phrased it. But um, yeah, it's good. But it, about that kind of darkness, that um, grittiness kind of uh, it's it's kind of scuzzy. Yeah, I think that's the word you used. Um, and yet, you know, walking is terrific. He's like on that. Um, kind of precipice of where he's, you know, maybe going to go dance to a, <laughs> who's, that's, um, who's that artist that he did the whole dance music video to? Um, uh, or like, oh, Moby. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> no, uh, 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 Fatboy Slim. Sorry. Yes. I get, I get the bald guys confused. Uh, Moby fans out there are all very angry now. Yeah, um, it's okay. 
that one that one that listens but he uh you know like <laughs> like minutes away from that and yet like his his very serious like um really terrific dramatic uh role as well um as this you know guy that gets out of prison and kind of expects to take the power back and you know definitely goes on the journey to do so pretty <laughs> Uh, pretty rapidly, but things aren't quite, you know, that easy. So, yeah, and it's got a great supporting cast, as you said. Some interesting uh, people pop up, including David Caruso, who's just very like after him. <laughs> oh yeah, Caruso is a madman in this movie, and I I love him for it. He's he's just insane. Yeah, he's also good. And if you ever see this, uh, China Girl uh, is mm-hmm. another Ferrar film. It's kind of like a modern New York spin on Romeo and Juliet. David Caruso plays the Mercutio character. He's fantastic. Um, but yeah, you great point about Watkins' career because he, like, he was in Deer Hunter. He won an Oscar for that. He was he had all these this great run in the '80s. He was, of course, Max Zorin in A View to a Kill. Um, but yeah, this was the right before. I, I hate to use the term kind of like self-aware or self-parody, but. We all kind of know, like everyone does the walk-in voice, and they just know him as like he's this caricature of who he used to be. I agree. Hold on, Dalton objected to, uh, yeah, what Walkins become, I guess. But yeah, he's this was yeah back when he was you know a serious capital A actor, and he's just he's he's just fucking magnificent. And as he as Frank, uh, the drug lord, he like just just how I don't know, he's just like so like ramrod straight and serious in every scene he's in but just also has that weird cares like charismatic personality that walken has always had and Mm -hmm. just like he he walks into the room everybody snaps too and he's he's the guy you pay attention to and i think that's probably what helps make this my favorite ferrara film is is walken's performance it carries it as the king of new york so to speak but yeah he's he's tremendous and um, also having a lot of fun is uh, Larry Fishburne as Jimmy Jump. He's uh, he's just magnificent as um, Frank's right hand man. Yes, um, Jimmy Jump is is yeah. a great name too. Yeah, he he is having fun. Uh, it's always interesting when I see the Larry um, before he changed it to to Lawrence. But um, yeah, I think and their like relationship is kind of an int- intriguing one as well. Um, his kind of entourage is is kind of an interesting you know, group. Uh, he has got like the two girls. Um, yet he also has like a thing with the, uh, attorney and, you know, he's, he's got um, this Christopher Walken, but Christopher Walken also, also has this just kind of like cool factor in this movie, which obviously I think anytime you're embodying some kind of like crime boss or something, I think you probably want to have that, <laughs> that kind of style, but, yeah. um, you know, it definitely, kind of oozes off him and yeah there's definitely something to later in his career like you know people doing the voice and you know a lot of the comedic performances that he did even ones that were serious he would have comedic scenes and there's even moments in this film where he kind of does like a movement or he says something in particular um that I kind of feel that you know that essence of that version of his acting but um this he really does steal and um I hope that you've seen the deer hunter by the way. I have, like, yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I love that movie and he's it's, just yeah. brilliant. Yeah. Okay. I, for a second, I was like, could that be a bright, like if, if you hadn't, that would most definitely be one. But um, yeah. And honestly, like I was just thinking about how many, I think you said something before about how there was the uh, 
so many supporting actors in this movie. I can't yeah. remember the exact phrasing. Um, it's, a, it's a or like a murderer's row of supporting characters. Yeah, there's so many. Like there's even Wesley Snipes plays a one of the police that's after him as well. Yeah. Um, there's Wesley Snipes. There's Steve Buscemi uh, before yeah. he was really well known. He's, what, he's yeah, he's one of uh, Frank White's like drug testers. Uh, Giancarlo Esposito, everyone knows from Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul, he's in this mm-hmm. as well. Is like another enforcer. Paul Calderon, who's like a Tarantino regular in the early nineties, wow. yep. also pops up. Yeah, a lot of just great faces that populate this film, and everyone is really giving it their all, which uh, is is a lot of fun. But yeah. yeah. It does Sorry, seem like they're having a fun. Just, I was just going to say, it does seem like they're having fun, but they're also giving it their all. It has an interesting um, kind of tone to it. Um, yeah. And, yeah, I, I mean, I think that that's probably, you know, you're much more familiar with his work than I am. Um, so it's probably like a stylistic thing. It's probably kind of his his vibe with movies. Um mm-hmm which I definitely need to get on seeing more, but it's, it's yeah. interesting, you know, because it is, like I said, it does feel very kind of dirty at times, but it also feels, um, it kind of moves around as far as it's, it's tone. I feel like there was somebody else, something. Oh, Steve Buscemi, his name is test Two. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a perfect name for a guy who puts cocaine in a cocaine test, tube test tubes. Yeah. Test it out. Um, it's also funny in, in that scene where he's testing the cocaine. Um, Larry Fishburne's a little eager to like get the deal rolling and, uh, Steve Buscemi <laughs> just throws like a wad of cocaine just straight onto the table and says, here, calm down. Right. <laughs> like has him snort that. Yeah, because that's gonna calm down. Though. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, oh. yeah, there's this. Uh, just speaking of New York, like there's this great, like one of the first sequences in the film is uh, Frank is uh, released from prison, and there's this like beautiful drive uh, through the city. Mm-hmm. Um, like you, you know, they're passing by. Like you see all the trash can fires. And he's like in a limo. So he's of in a, course, everyone's staring. He's in a limo. He has two women with him. Yes. Um, and yeah, everyone is just staring and he's just sort of looking at what the city he's become. The next time we see him, he's he's up in the like the penthouse hotel suite of the I forget where he's staying. Um, then there's that great interaction where uh, Jimmy Jump and the gang come into his room. And this is just moments after we've seen them waste this rival drug gang just right. to just to get ahead of a deal and we don't know these guys know each other and there's this like f- great moment of tension where uh like Christopher Walken asks him what's in the cup he's drinking and uh Larry Fishburne drinks it all says root beer you want some and then they do <laughs> a fun little dance and uh they're all they're all friends but, yeah i i love that sequence yeah um yeah and it's funny because he is getting anxious with <laughs> when he before they kill the other rival group he wants his root beer Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess, I guess he gets it, but, um, yeah, there's True. something, uh, I don't know, like, I feel like there's some sequences that feel a little bit like dreamy in a way. Um, maybe that might, might not be the right word, but, um, sure. you know, it's kind of, you know, in Walken's head in a sense, a little bit kind of jumping back into this, but then there's moments that are really like, first of all, very violent, but also, um, you know, very much like all about, you know, how, bad things are in this area like he's really like one of the plot themes or not plot theme storylines etc is he wants to get some um money like to get a hospital in a certain area of the bronx yeah i i had forgot this like robin hood aspect about <laughs> he's he's getting in with politicians and making sure that like all the money they're spending 
is allocated to the right place. Like I think they're in the process of shutting down a hospital and mm-hmm. Frank's like not going to have that. He's cause he's, he's a man of the people. And he so he, he, he's and no copper politician is going to stop him. So it's kind of a great, great little anti-hero aspect about him. Yeah, I enjoy that. And also, yeah. you know, like when he's coming through town and it's just, you know, obviously like the, the trash can fires, there's, I think there's, I'm sure there's drugs and people mm-hmm. on the, you know, the side of the street. Um, and he's cruising through in a limo and it seems like it's a kind of a great, um, setup in the sense, like, is he out of place now? Not yeah. just because he's getting out of prison, but maybe, um, maybe he's lost touch with the, the city in a sense. And, yeah. you know, he's thrust back into it really quite fast and in large part because he has this group that has his pack and already is making moves basically, um, from the get go. But there's some, um, I don't know, really, really well done, um, kind of dramatic moments to like, uh, there's some mm-hmm. intellectual, um, I don't know, like, you know, kind of monologues and there's just, there's some, uh, there's some smart writing to this. And, and it's, it's an interesting, like, dichotomy, like between like poetic and I don't know, cruddy, <laughs> whatever the word was that you said earlier. No, yeah. The, the, the scuzzy underbelly. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very it's much, scuzzy. there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of beauty in the, in the darkness. And, yes. uh, Abel Ferrara really is one of the best filmmakers to capture that. And, I think that's, you know, something of him just sort of exploring the, the milieu of the city for several decades. And I think, uh, yeah, that's it, it's really, yeah, something that he's quite gifted at and something that like it's the final like 30 minutes of this movie really kind of go off the rails in the best way ever because yeah. everyone is just start scunning each other down. Um, like I'm not going to spoil who, but there's a scene where a cop is killed and, uh, Christopher Walken ambushes a cop funeral to blow up another cop's head with a shotgun. And then he's got like a hundred cops running after him through the headstones. It's like, like (laughs) one of the most terrifying, (laughs) terrifying things I've ever seen in a movie. But yeah, it's, it's really intense. And like the, the final uh, ending is, uh, you know, again, we're not spoiling anything here. I recommend you see this movie if you haven't seen it, but yeah, just the final moments are, it really kind of ends on a perfect, like whimper, not a bang. And that's, yeah. Kind of goes back to what you're saying about how he's, yeah, he's, he's kind of just seems, feels lost in this city. Yeah. I, I like the whimper and not a bang because, you know, it's a bang for the last however long. Um, it kind of, uh, makes sense for it to end like it does. Um, so yeah, on the chance that we might spoil something <laughs> accidentally. Um, any final thoughts on King of New York? N- no, I'm just, I'm glad to hear that you enjoyed it. It's, uh, it was nice revisiting it, like, Many years later, um, there's, a, there's a shiny new 4K release from Arrow. If you haven't, if you're interested in physical media out there, I recommend getting that. Uh, it's a, uh, it's one of the best Abel Ferrara movies, and I think it's uh, just gets better with each watch. Awesome. Well, great wreck as always, Jake. So uh, I will transition to mine. Um, so <laughs> mine was a 1993 film by a very, you know little known director, uh, Clint Eastwood. And it's a perfect world. Um, it's a movie that I really loved, uh, as a kid, which, uh, you know, as much as I've talked about that on this podcast, which is like almost every movie I recommend, it's like, what were you watching as a kid? But, um, you know, that's, that's how I became me, but it's about, um, a escape convict, uh, Kevin Costner, um, Butch, 
from um, a jail in Texas and a prison in uh, Texas. And he basically, he breaks out with a complete jerk and ends up having to take a kid hostage um, in order to get away. The kid is Philip, played by T.J. Lowther. I don't believe I've ever seen T.J. Lowther on anything else. I've actually been meaning to look it up. But he's a he's a boy that is just lives with his mom and two sisters, um, grew up as a Jehovah Witness. He's young. I think he's only like eight or ten. Um, I'm not sure if they say that. I think they say the age at some point, but he um, they go on this kind of journey together and their relationship and bond during this. I think it's like a four day, five day stretch um, is just really, um, you know, kind of emotional. And, you know, Butch, Kevin Costner and just an amazing role is is definitely much different than you might have originally thought. Meanwhile, he's being chased by Texas Ranger, Red. Clint Eastwood, of course, he has to be in it, and um, also working with Laura Dern, who's um, from the mayor's office, was sent by the mayor's office to be kind of looking at this from a psychologist, criminal psychology point of view. But yeah, that's um, Perfect World. And uh, were you, what did you, what did you think, Jake? I was a well, that was a better summation of your movie than my movie, I will say. Um, but I got, I got I, my first time, I think I've I've. That was fantastic. No, you really perfect, perfectly hit everything. Um, I've, I should say, I've seen chunks of this movie before. When I was a kid growing up, it would play on HBO a lot, and I think it would just flip it on, and I'd be like, oh, what's this? But I never never properly saw it all the way through, start to finish, so I think it qualifies as a blind spot. Um, I fucking love this movie. Uh, it, I think, shot up to like maybe my top five Clint Eastwood films. Um, it's uh, really, yeah, this is like, and not just... Like <laughs> you're you're two for two with Clint because this and Bridges of Madison County are like fast becoming like two of my favorite films ever. Uh, and I yeah I just thought every moment of it was extraordinary. I thought Costner uh, is just note perfect. Um, the it's very it's a very just beautifully told story. Um, the relationship with the boy is fantastic. It's 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 just such a wonderful film for many reasons and. I, yeah, I was just I was just gripped in the whole time. It's just really something else. Yeah, it um, it's definitely I think I think part of the reason why I recommended this and Bridges is because they felt like kind of outliers in Eastwood's um, career in the sense that I felt they were a little different than most of his usual work. Um, and I think that that might be why they, they both stood out to me. And I've seen so much of his work as an actor and director primarily because my dad was a big western fan and i saw a lot of his westerns when i was young but um i i really this one and it's so funny you mentioned like on hbo because i feel like that was such a thing when i was a kid like they would replay the same movie over in <laughs> the same oh yeah on HBO. and so i'd end up as just like watching them over and over because they were on but also you know if i liked them so this was definitely that and I think, you know, a big part of what works so well about this movie is obviously Coster's performance, which I think we both talked about before um, offline as as to being one of our favorites and one of his best. And he's an actor that's had, you know, when you look at his career in, in its entirety, a pretty terrific. There's been some downhill, you know, moments in his career, especially, I think. I don't know, in like the 2000s or 2010s time period. But um I think this is just one of his best because he has this charisma of as Butch where, you know, he's 
really seems really nice and casual and he's really quite good to the boy but then there are moments where we're reminded that he is a criminal and that he has you know he could kill someone and that he has these this trauma and he has these uh moments of kind of I don't want to say like total rage because he's not like that but where he really does kind of flip and um you know Clint Eastwood yes so often has like you know the, the maybe more of the uh, law side and things and this I don't know one of those it's a different criminal movie than he's he's done before I want to say I think and the kid is also just exceptional um I I remember like you know he's he's a really like cute kid but awkward kid and I was thinking like you know does he work for this and and he really does and their their um rapport together is just so good and as they like keep going, like there's a bunch of things that the kid's never done. Like he's never, you know, cause they don't celebrate ho- uh, holidays in that religion. He's never, you know, went trick or treating, um, you know, went to like a fair, done certain things. And so like he tries to, Butch tries to give that to him to a degree. And there's just some really sweet moments. And then again, like I said, it's kind of, um, there's some like, um, mirrored with, like how dark things could be yeah. and how bad they can they can go um kind of like i think a perfect world there it comes from in a sense there's a scene where they're talking about how you know if this didn't happen something wouldn't happen and laura dern says like in a perfect world things like this would never happen it's just kind of a reminder that they do mm-hmm. um which you know makes it really quite impactful yeah yeah um you you laid out a lot of great things there just now um going back to like the kid and his uh central relationship with butch um yeah so the film it's interesting this is one of the few films i know of that takes place like on november 1st because uh, we get this little opening to halloween but the uh the um the main phillips family doesn't get to participate they don't celebrate he just kind of sits sad in his house while the other neighborhood kids throw eggs at his window um but yeah it's 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 interesting just to watch the, the, the two of them go together because he's taken as a hostage. And it's it's like me being a parent, I'm like, you know, I'm just I'm, you know, I'm terrified for the outcome of, of, of this kid. But, um, you know, it's he learns to he like starts to look up to Butch and Butch is like showing him just the finer things of life, like just having soda and uh, like soda's like, good. Yeah, soda's good. He drinks like four bottles of the RC pop, I think, is what happens. And um and yeah, and they get there's this sequence where they go to a um like a department store and to get him new clothes. Um, but he really wants the Casper outfit, which is on uh, sale. And the I love that the the Casper mask, just kind of like this this weird like jarring image caught in between like all of this like mayhem. Um, it like is just this this innocent child's face. Yeah. Uh, like there's this very beautiful opening shot of like Costner lying in a field next to the mask, and there's all this money floating around. You have no idea what is happening. Um, but yeah, Costner is to touch on him. Like I, we, I mentioned off mic that like he's kind of like a go to punchline for like everyone's favorite dad cinema usually stars mm-hmm. Kevin Costner. Um, cause he's just got this like working man earnestness about him and he, he really like a lot of his career now. He's in Yellowstone, which you've recommended to me and I'll, I'll check that out. But he's, he's just kind of, he's done some not great things. Um, but he's also is just, very sturdy and workmanlike, I would say. Um, but like this is this is a performance where he really gets to shine, and 
I, I don't want to necessarily be a bad boy, but uh, it is kind of, kind of riveting just to watch him in this mode. Um, a vulnerable and, bad boy. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> I I just love how commanding he is, and his his like escaped rapist partner is a real piece of shit, and I love how he lays him out. Um, but yeah, it's like Costner, like the kid's like having the time of his life. Like he ties him to the, to the roof of the car and they drive fast and he's learning all these finer things. But then in like one of the most difficult to watch scenes is they, yeah. they hide out at this, like this black family's farm and the, uh, grandfather there's abusing his, or the father there's abusing his child and, um, Butch doesn't like that. And he ties up the family with like these dark plans to kill them and, and like that's where Philip sees the monster he really is. Um, but yeah, it's 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 all just calibrated so perfectly by Eastwood. And um, I mean, you mentioned this like is like one of his unsung films. This is the year after Unforgiven, which I would think many people and myself included would call his best work. Um, so this is a like a hell of a follow up to that. Yeah. And uh, and yeah, but it's it's all it's worthy of all the praise that his previous film got. Absolutely. And yeah, that scene really is hard to watch because there it's, you know, there's this real kindness coming from this family to them. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, it turns so fast. I mean, they're dancing like the scene before. Yeah. Um, you know, which that, I don't know, there's something about, um, a couple scenes with Eastwood and, uh, Eastwood, um, Costner and music Mm -hmm. that kind of, I don't know. Yeah, I guess it's just the idea. They they mentioned at one point that he's been like in and out since he was a kid and or was in for a really long time since he was a kid. And, um, you know, there's just something about some of the things he experiences since being out that are kind of like the kid is is new for him. It's kind of like, you know, this immersion back into into stuff for Costner. Mm -hmm. And even by the end, he almost feels a little like satisfied in what he was able to um to see since getting out and his you know time with the kid i think um really meant a lot to him but yeah like he he's actually like kind of um you're uncomfortable watching him in that scene like is he going to kill them um and you see it through the kid's eyes like for a second i think he was like his hero even though he's obviously very confused he doesn't yeah. really like he knows that he was taken but there's a chance he even has to get away and he doesn't because he's starting to you know, kind of enjoy himself. And that's like that moment where it's like, he's reminded that, you know, he, he, he asks him a couple times if he's a bad guy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I think that that's just what it comes down to is like, is there good and bad? Um, you know, is, and that's something that even though the Eastwood scenes, um, with also, um, Bradley Woodford, um, who's also a jerk in this, yes. um, and Laura Dern, who has some great comebacks and, and lines, <laughs> um, telling these, these guys basically where to put it. There's like, their scenes aren't ne- like for me, aren't as important or, or as great, but, um, are also quite good and connected in the sense that there's a whole conversation on that side about is Butch good or bad. Or is Butch, you know, can he be redeemed in a sense? And trying to understand, like, Clint mm. Eastwood's character, Red, has more of like a black and white kind of view, uh, criminal yeah. or not criminal. And Laura Dern tries to paint the idea through understanding his background and what he went through uh, with his father and his life. 
of as to like why he is the way he is. Um, and I just think that that better understanding and that deeper acknowledgement and logic makes this movie kind of what's so heartbreaking about it, but also what's, uh, you know, so kind of touching and compelling. Yeah. And the, and the kids are great. I mean, yeah, TJ Lowther, he's, uh, he's got like this Michael Andrano thing about him, but, um, no, he's just, he's just so perfectly credible in all the scenes. And, um, the younger boy, I think, it, I think Philip is supposed to be eight. Cause if I recall when yeah. they meet the other family, there's the little boy in that family is Cleve. And I think he's six and yeah. he, he's like one of the best acted six year olds I've ever seen. Just when, <laughs> things get really intense. Like, like I really feel for him when he's crying. Um, but yeah, God, I had a thought. Oh yeah. So the, the Clint Eastwood scenes, um, what uh, I really like most about, uh, the cutaways to his store, his side of the story, um, is that he is not like any, I think any other filmmaker would sort of put themselves in the role of like the righteous lawman who's going to find this criminal and make sure justice is served and, like, you know, he's, he's like just the most morally good, absolute, gonna get the job done hero. Um, but like Eastwood plays him with this really distinct weariness. Like he knows a lot of the manhunt that they're going on is just very much a political gambit for the governor mm-hmm. to be reelected. Uh, like he's got, he's got the mother of Philip in his office and with all the press there and like he making sure that you get photos of him shaking her hand and he's using the, the campaign vehicle as sort of like the manhunt headquarters on the road. Yeah. But, but yeah, there's there's nothing like overplayed about Eastwood's role at all. He's he's you know he knows what kind of guy Butch is, um, but he's he, like he doesn't have like this. There's no like grudge to get him or like I need to make you know the state of Texas is not right again unless I find this man. No, he um, almost is kind of just like let's get this over with, sort of. <laughs> exactly. He's like all right, in another day. He's like oh, I gotta bring along a, a criminologist and a, a sniper from the FBI as well. All right, all right well might as well so. But yeah, he's 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 really great at underplaying um, the role, which is I liked. Yeah, he's very good in the role. And, you know, um, so is Laura Dern. Um, I I think that there are some of their conversations are, are really well written as well. Yeah, I love that after they crash the caravan in the woods, uh, they just start roasting steaks on a, on some rocks, which, is, <laughs> uh, which tickled me. But yeah. <laughs> But yeah. but yeah the the yeah just the this is central story with uh with Butch and the kid and like the posters like you see this kid in or like just the images of like him in like the little Casper costume and this criminal um uh it just it's a really oddly beautiful film and it is and so so remarkably told and done by Eastwood yeah and the Casper just a last um comment the the Casper costume and the fact that he just wears that like the entire time once he gets to that store um is really just such a, a, a such a compelling image um and like the you know like you said the cover etc and there yeah. you know something about him being in this you know car with this criminal who kind of has his own little code i guess because there's a couple times he could do things worse than he does but he's he's such an embodiment of innocence that mm-hmm. that I don't know something about the Casper costume is just a really genius little tidbit to add to it. Um, yeah, 
Yeah, and again, it's just, it's a very, um, I don't know if discordant is the right word. Um, but yeah, just dropped into this context. It's, uh, it's, you know, it stands out as just being unusual. Um, like when he walks through the field with his hands up surrendering, it's like, it's like a weird little ghost walking away from, uh, a Costner's body. Um, but also it's, it just really hits on like kids acting like kids is that, you know, if a kid goes to a store, and he's told to pick out an outfit. He's going to find the costume he wants to yeah. wear. He's not going to, you know, he's going to dress up like as a Power Ranger or something. He's not going to get, you know, like a nice, like slacks and a dress shirt. He's going to want to, he's going to want to have fun. And he steals it. And yeah, that's he... also true too. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny because he's like, are you mad at me to Butch? Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah. Also, it's, it's an interesting, um, there's, there's a few interactions with people and, like the the shop the um people working at the shop are like super nice and seems like the women in this movie always kind of like <laughs> i don't know it's the costner charm or something mm-hmm. um are like flirtatious and such but you know they're really nice and then when they realize that the kid stole the costume <laughs> buzz like, you little shit or something yeah. like that <laughs> yeah and I he love- had said they were like the nicest, you know, and then as he drives away, he's like, you're not nice anymore. Um, he calls it, he's, they're friendly because it's Friendly's uh, right. uh, store. And he says, you ain't so friendly. And he blows out their window. <laughs> but. Yeah. Um, so definitely see Perfect World. I'm really glad that uh, that was such a, you know, a new yeah. love for, for you. Um, and also, you know, it'd been a while since I had rewatched it. So. Yeah, at least probably a decade. So it was nice to um, maybe a little less, but to jump back into it and see how I feel. Because at different yeah. times in your life, movies hit you a different way. So um, it would have been interesting, you know, like you mentioned, being a father now. But if you had watched it when you were a kid, you know, I'm sure it probably would feel the same way. But just in a, a different uh, kind of. Yeah, tilt. different but, POV. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well- yeah, this, this was a great uh, combo that just kind of came together as we usually manage to do. There are no killer turkeys this time, unfortunately. <laughs> um, <laughs> I really thought about pitching Thanksgiving, the sequel or whatever. The thank, <laughs> thank, thanks Killing 3. Yeah, thanks Killing 3, the sequel that they skip over the second one. Um, but, you know, I felt like we just had that would just overload this, you know, with talent. So yeah. um, we wouldn't want that. But... <laughs> No, yeah, it's a, I, a great pairing, two of uh, 90s, the best of the 90s, I would say, from yeah. two of our best and filmmakers. The, We're and still alive rock. and making films, yeah. 90s are full of great shit. So. I think Clint Eastwood is still making films. I, it's insane. He, he just he's, had Cry Macho like a year ago or so. Yeah, no, I know, but I mean, like, I don't know if he's in production. I should have looked it up, but he's, uh, isn't he like 90? He's, yeah, 90, 91. He's up there, but he's it's just no signs of quitting. No, it's uh, it's pretty crazy, really. Ninety-two, yeah, yeah wow. wow. That's yeah. uh, that's you know, everyone's dream to live that long, let alone be making motion pictures. So uh, you got to give it to the guy. Um, yeah. So do you want to tell people where they can uh, find yeah. find us? Yeah, we'll follow it. Film Inquiry. First of all, we're on Twitter at Film Inquiry. Um, you can also subscribe to the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, give us five stars. We'd like to hear from you. Uh, yeah, I'm also, yeah. All right. You want to suggest some films? Do so as well. Um, I'm uh, at Jake Tropila, J K E T R O P I L A on all things. Christy, where can the good people find you? 
Yeah, I'm at Strauss underscore Christie, S-T-R-U-S-E underscore K-R-I-S-T-Y. And yeah, definitely check us out. Check the site out, which is just filmandcree.com. We love to hear suggestions. Rex, um, we've done a, you know, episode before where we took listeners recommendations. So we definitely are open to doing that again. And yeah, check out this double, you know, crime feature. I love that these are both not, I don't know, um, they're unique crime films, uh, in different ways, but they, they make a good double feature. So take, take our, take our recos here. Yeah. And, uh, until next time, stay golden people. Yeah. Stay groovy. 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 <laughs> oh, uh,